Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Mothers of Children in Shidduchim podcast series. This episode features a conversation between Mrs. Sarah Mrazov, Mrs. Rifki Bayarski, and Mrs. Rifki Brickman. Mrs. Mrazov is an author, educator, and mashpia in Crown Heights, who has taught and guided thousands of women throughout the world. Mrs. Rifki Bayarski is an educator, mikvah.org accredited kala teacher, Bidekes certified nurse, and an experienced midwife. And Mrs. Rifki Brickman is a dedicated mother and the co-director of Chabad in Seagate and Coney Island. She runs many beautiful programs in her community and counsels people on various life issues. She is also a Mikvah.org certified Ka teacher. Before we begin, I would like to note that all contact information mentioned in the episode will be included in the show notes for your convenience. Mazel Tov! Your daughter is a Kala. That's so beautiful. I want to share with you something that had such an impact on me when I was a a teenager. When one of my brothers had a bar mitzvah, my father came up to greet his guests and he said, he gets up there and he says, why me? And I'm thinking to myself, what is he saying, why me? And then he continued and explained, why me? Why was I to be able to make a bar mitzvah? And the lesson that he taught me is that I cannot take it for granted that I have a simcha. That, okay, you know, you have a child, you bring him to bar mitzvah, it's a simcha and it's a reason to say, why me? And therefore I open today and say that when we have a child, our daughter who's a kala, we could ask the question, why me? And with that, we could give thanks to the Abishter and say that it also comes with a beautiful, awesome responsibility. And therefore, we turn to the mothers who are holding their daughter's hands through the journey of engagement and how they can be such a wonderful support together to make the Kala experience um, the most fullest in spirituality and, uh, and everything that their daughter needs to start a bias Neman Bisrael. I remember a principal from a seminary in Eretz Yisrael saying that when the girls would get engaged, oh, there was another mazel tov, another simcha, another mazel tov. And then she started shidduchim with her own kids. And all of a sudden she realized that this is not simple. This is such a nest. It's not just another shidduch. It's not just another, you know, engagement that we read about, but this is a nest. So Baruch Hashem, when we're coming to the stage and we're able to hold our daughter's hands, we recognize it's not just another engagement, but this is our child that we are ready to set up for her stage in life. Mikvah.org has done everything almost that they possibly can and they're still always looking to enhance and see what they could do to make sure that your daughter or your daughter-in-laws have the best college teachers the best support that they could have during this time and after and 
there is one thing that we felt at this point could be uh, enhanced, and that is bringing the mothers on board as a team that together, if we're on, quote unquote, like they say, the same page, we could really um, make this to perfection, that your daughter's experience could be just as beautiful as it needs to be and as she deserves. So your daughter is coming home after college classes and uh, she's sharing with you um, her classes that she studied with a college teacher. Wow, you know, if you think about it, a generation ago, I'm not saying that this is for everybody or for so many colors. That was a taboo subject. We didn't feel comfortable. We didn't necessarily feel comfortable speaking to our mothers about our color classes and discussing the Tarasa Meshwacha um, subject with our mothers. So if we've come to a time today where we could turn to the mothers and say, wow, you have set a relationship with your daughter that she could come to you and discuss Tara Samashvacha, that is such a beautiful place to be. That is such a healthy space to be, and that is an incredible uh, accomplishment. Now, there's still some mothers that will say, I don't feel so comfortable to discuss this topic with my daughter. And I just wanna put out there that mikvah.org has many recordings that, um, that, that they have uh, made sure to hold mother's hands and father's hands that they could um, train them or teach them how to speak about subjects that were more uncomfortable in the past. So I encourage everybody to um, look that up on mikvah.org and really try to get comfortable with uh, sharing and talking to our children from a younger age um, so that by the time they become a Kala, uh, they could feel, um, in fact, comfortable to come and talk to you. Um, so either way, if your daughter doesn't feel so comfortable, you know that she has a really good team of Kala teachers who she could choose from that are just ready to set her for her chasana from really A to Z. Um, at the same time, when your daughter does come talk to you, we'd like to tell you that together, mothers and college teachers could make a beautiful, beautiful team. With that being said, I wanna say that sometimes our daughters will come home and share with us things that we will say, hey, that's not necessarily something that I learned in college classes 20 years ago, 30 years ago, where is that coming from? And I think it's really a schuss to be able to really think about this at this point and to set the stage for the right reaction when our daughter comes home and shares with us. So first of all, again, the fact that our daughters are coming home, mothers, you did amazing for making your daughter feel comfortable. At that, with saying that, um, at the same time, what could our reaction be when our daughters come and tell us something that we did not necessarily hear years ago? And we've been keeping Tarasa Meshvacha, so it could give us a feeling of like, hey, you know, 
Have we been doing the mitzvah to the fullest? You know, where is this coming from? When we're setting up our little child for cheder, right? And uh, a child comes home and tells us something like there's a different kind of, um, a, a new kind of way to uh, teach olive bays or something that not necessarily was the mother familiar with, she knows very clearly that if she's going to set the tone and tell her little Maishala, you know, Maishala, that's not what we did years ago. And you don't have to like exactly, you know, um, listen to everything the teacher says, or, you know, we know that that is a reaction that's going to not set the right tone for our child. Amalek also has the word Amal, you know, like Amal. And we're living today, Baruch Hashem, with such beautiful ad advancement that our, our reaction, right, has to also be to perfection. So with that, I think that this podcast is really going to give us a introduction, an eye-opener of how we could really be the perfect um, team with a college teacher and the mothers so that when our daughters do come home and tell us things that are not necessarily things that we know where they're coming from in halacha maybe, in hashkafa, in um, minhag, or in anything else or all-inclusive, we could say, um, we could have a reaction that is prepared along with everything else that this podcast is going to inform you of how you could be an absolute beautiful team and make uh, her experience as a Kala beautiful. And with that, I just want to say that when our children come home and they've no, and they Baruch Hashem know more than us, Chazal tell us that we cannot envy our children. It's not a natural envy. It's only something that should truly bring us nachas. Every mother, no matter if your child feels open with you or she, you would like her to be more open and, um, and she's not, just know that you play such an important role in bringing her to the chuppah and preparing her at this time. We can, we have, we, I think what's just so amazing about being a mother is being able to respect the space that our child is in. And if our child feels comfortable coming to talk to us, we could be there and we could have that um, right set frame of frame of mind to be able to know the reaction we could have um, when she comes to speak to us. If we feel like a daughter is not coming and we would like her to come more, there's so many things we could do as a mother to Davin, to say to Hillam for her, to have a connection on the back end, right? And say, you know, Abisha, just make sure that my child is uh, getting the, the right hadracha and connected to the right Kala teacher um, and believing that as, the power we have with our tefillahs that 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 the Abishta will hear our tefillahs and she will be connected to the right college teacher. So the pressure is not shalom on, you know, um, I need to be this kind of mother. Every mother who raised their daughter to come to this stage of life should be proud of where 
they are and their accomplishments. And everybody has their unique relationship. And that is so respectful and beautiful. And with that, you can gauge the relationship you have with your daughter and you can see exactly where you can be most helpful to her. But every mother has a role, whether her daughter is coming or not necessarily coming or girls are more independent, et cetera. So just know that this podcast is, is um, a preparation for your frame of mind of how you could be most helpful when your daughter becomes a Kala. Um, and I would love to bring in the Hayyam Yerim that sets the tone of letting us know what true wealth is while we prepare for a chasana and we get caught up in the flowers and the photography and all that. Let's remember, like the Hayyam Yerim says, Jewish wealth is not houses of gold. The everlasting Jewish wealth is being Yidin who keep Torah and mitzvahs and bring into the world children and grandchildren who keep Torah and mitzvahs. Mazel tov, may you see this bracha with true Yiddish Siddish Nachas. Mazel tov. Wow. Rifki Brickman, that was such a positive way. Like as a mother, like I feel so encouraged and I feel so relaxed. And I feel like such a nice positive frame of mind. Um, if my daughter would get engaged right now, or my son for that matter. So thank you so much, Rifki. Um, now we're gonna turn the conversation to kind of more practical, practical uh, answers or tips, questions that we received or feedback from college teachers. So we turn to Mrs. Rifki Bayarski, who had her beautiful introduction at the beginning. And I'm just gonna call her Rifki because she's my friend. So Rifki, um, I wanna ask you a few questions, okay? So my daughter is a Kala and I know you are a midwife. And there's, we in Kala classes, of course, we talk about the mitzvah taras mishpacha, but there's also a big overlap with our physical health, right? We wanna get ready come into marriage healthy. So what are some pointers as mothers? Do I have to take my child to, uh, or my, I don't wanna use the word take my child, our children are independent, but perhaps make a suggestion or if she asks, what are your thoughts about having a doctor's visit, a regular doctor's visit or a women's health doctor's visit as a preparation for marriage? What are your thoughts about that? So many Kalas do appreciate an opportunity to meet either a from female reproductive healthcare worker or someone who's from literate, meaning that they've worked within the from community. Um, this could be your OBGYN, it could be a midwife, a woman's health nurse, nurse practitioner, or a PA. I would not really recommend that you go to your regular doctor for this visit because their training and their practice and their experience is not really hyper-focused on this area of taking care of women. So it might be hard, especially for the out of town people to find someone like this. But if the, if you're living out of town and you're not living, you know, like us in Crown Heights, where we really have the benefit of having so many from providers who can address, you know, a pre-Kala Kala visit or a pre-wedding visit, a solution that you could have is to call the office that you use and schedule what's called a preconception visit. And you can specify that you don't want any internal exams done. So it's just a preconception visit. And what they're going to do in this visit is they're going to look at your 
Kala's overall health, their period health, they're going to take a very specific history to see if there's any markers for anything that they would want to address. They might do some lab work. Um, and basically what they're doing is they're making sure that education is given and they're making sure that they establish care if your daughter is going to need this once she's married. And you're also going to be able to see if there's anything you have to adjust before the wedding. Um, what are some of the things that would possibly come up is if you're taking, let's say, for your skin, Accutane. Do you want to, you know, stop taking it a month before your wedding? Or um, if you need to check your MMR, your rubella titers, and, you know, you might want to get that vaccine four weeks before your wedding. So if Amir Tashem, you know, you get pregnant, um, everything is in order. Now, the reason why I suggest that you really try to go to a from doctor is because there's a lot of education that goes into this visit. And we want to make sure that the education is aligned with our hashkafais and halacha. And so we don't want a provider giving very factual information that our kala and our daughter is going to look at as very, very, um, you know, absolute information and not question it. And so we want to make sure that everything is in line with hashkafa. Now, another thing that might come up in this, in this pre-wedding visit is the avoidance of a chuppas nida. And some kalas will want to go on birth control. Um, and if this is one of the reasons that you're going to go to your provider, obviously you're going to speak to a rav about, you know, if this is something that's for you. Um, but one of the things that's very helpful, and a lot of kalas actually do this, and a lot of your daughters will probably be doing this, even if you don't know that they're doing this, is that they're tracking their cycles. And a lot of them will be using either the health app on their phone or, um, some sort of other ovulation tracker app or period tracker app. Um, and then they're going to have a lot of tools to explore options of perhaps having a chupas nida, not having a chupas nida in a more natural way. But if they are going to explore options of birth control pills, I would also recommend that if it's not a from provider who's not aware of the halachic implications of perhaps having a chupas nida is that the, you also make a phone call to Tarenu and see whether there is a specific pill that is best for your daughter. So um, thank you, Rifki. I just wanna like broaden the subject a little bit more if you don't mind. So the first thing I wanna suggest is if you don't have, for that preconception visit, you know, if you don't have the ideal, any, at least minimally, um, any doctor, just make sure again, the MMR vaccine was an issue because if somebody's not immunized, um, getting and once if they need that immunization, there, there's a certain period of time that for health reasons, a woman should not get pregnant after, and it did cause complications after the marriage. I guess if we do it before, it's taken care of. Or, or so to the Accutane, how long she should go off, this is something that's like for health reasons. Um, so again, ideally, we have a firm provider, but even if not, to go to a regular doctor and test for those two things, and you talk about those two things, um, that's also fine. Uh, about um, the chupas nida situation, so I just want to elaborate on that a little bit from the phone calls that I get. So I just want to add a few practical details. Whether, um, so even girls who are very regular and their app has algorithms that can predict the period, although of course we go by the halachic dates, the Hebrew dates that we know the halacha says is a predictor. Many, 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 many colleagues, they will have a change. That means either their period will come earlier or they'll skip a period. Uh, during the dating or engagement period. So even if she has the, you know, she has the best tracker, we do have to make a decision if they want to risk having kopas nida or not. 
Now, chupas nida is not a tragedy. It's either an inconvenience, it could be frustrating, but there are halachic issues that we have to be aware of. So we, mikvah.org has a podcast, but what if it's chupas nida, what to expect on the practical level? What would be different during the um, actual wedding and, and the sleeping arrangements, for example? So at least we have an honest, uh, realistic view of what it entails on the practical level in halacha. We also have to know this particular child, it is very difficult to abstain from affection, which is a iser min between the chasen and kala. So perhaps we had, as parents, as mothers, we had views when we got married, maybe to avoid hormones at all costs. We can't impose our personal views. We have to really see where our children are at. And if they want to avoid chupas nida at all costs, because they know their particular mysterious, their challenges they go through. We have to take it, we have to, we can't scare them with the hormones. We really have to take that seriously. Also, I, I do want to mention that halachically, some rabbanim are, are, feel that it's a greater value to use hormones to um, prevent chupasnida. And others have the opposite opinion and there's, anything in between, it might be a good, it should be a good, uh, we should actually consult with Arav if he has any opinion about this from the halachic perspective, okay? Um, this conversation is gonna go back and forth. So I just wanna let you know that it's not question and answer style, it's a conversation and our questions are kind of like guidelines or kind of like sticky notes, how we talk. I just wanna mention another point, And that is, this happens very often. Oh, I have to set a wedding date. They didn't even go to the oil yet. Where do I start from? Um, for there are using hormones, there are two types of hormones that can be used. One is the birth control pill that we, the best time to start it would be during your period. And that uh, you would need probably like two months for the body to adjust to it without the risk of staining. And you have to also have the right dosage. And then you'll have the progesterone only pill, which is the Agestin, which basically holds in the last period um, the last period, you can hold it in until you go off, you get your period two to, uh, two to five days later. So why am I mentioning this? Because maybe as mothers, some of us took the kala pill, the Justin, the primalutin or whatever they call it, and we, oh, we don't have to worry about it now. But really for some women, the combination pill of the birth control might work better on their system. And for that, it's so important to start right away, like when you have that first opportunity of the first period, and then it's an easier adjustment on the body. And then you could tweak your body easier, you know, in anticipation of a certain wedding date that was planned. And therefore it's something that you want to kind of figure out earlier, not later. But if you didn't figure out earlier, you do have the option of the, of, of the adjustment only. Of course, only with a doctor's prescription, college teachers are not medical professionals. We don't give pills. We can tell you how they work. So if you, if you want to set a wedding date, okay, before you even make the phone call to your, uh, you know, if you know already which college teacher your daughter wants to learn with, that's an option. You can call the college teacher. Rifki, you can interject. I have a whole long Megillah, but you're welcome to I wanna, do that. I actually want to backtrack a little bit because we're moving forward to setting a date, but I want to mention a few things about the visit. Um, so another thing I want to really... Um, tell moms that if your daughter has any signs of 
hormonal dysregulation, and I'm going to list a few, that would be a very, very, very important um, reason to encourage your daughter a little bit more strongly to see a provider before her wedding. So if she has really, really heavy, crampy periods that affect her activities of daily living, like her regular everyday life, or if she goes months between periods or her periods are very close together, or if she still has, you know, cystic acne, or if she has hair on parts of her body that there aren't usually hair. Those are things that we really want you to push a little stronger so that you take this more seriously before the wedding. I also want to point out one more thing is we're talking about a preconception visit. We're talking about a Kala visit, but in reality, sometimes this is not a one and done visit. Sometimes you have to come back um, and adjust things, especially if you know, your daughter has a reaction to the pills. And that doesn't mean all pills are going to be a problem because the formulation of every single pill, even if they're both um, seemingly the same pill, like combined oral contraceptive, meaning that they have estrogen and progesterone in it, everyone is a little formulated a little differently. So if your daughter is really struggling with moodiness, you know, even just going back and saying, you know, this, this is helping with the periods, but now she's moody or she has, you know, she's struggling with her anxiety or she has sore breasts or she's bloated and she's worrying about those things. Those are things that you might want to go back and have another visit just to change the pill. Um, it's also like what Sarah was saying, it's also very, very important to note the time. So if you have three months before the wedding, you have a lot more options. Um, if your daughter is much more regular, then you also have a lot more options on the table. But some of the things that we're looking at on the app is not just, is she regular? Is she tracking it? But also we want to look at her overall cycles. We want to make sure that the cycles are, you know, within the frame of normal. Um, we want to make sure that she's, you know, that we're going to be able to schedule based on that. And that gives you a lot more options, whether you're going to go with something to hormonally manipulate the cycles or whether we can, you know, help you find a date that will prevent a chupasnida, hopefully that isn't hormonally affected. Thank you, Rifki. I do want to mention that the abnormalities in periods health, hopefully were taken care of way before she actually became a kala. This is also something, we have a separate podcast on that. We have Dr. Applebaum giving her mother's uh, hadracha on adolescence reproductive health. So we pick up on those abnormalities way before. It's very hard for a kala to deal with all that at once. So hopefully it was taken care of before. Uh, I do want to add another uh, pointer, which is a huge topic, but we're not going to address it here. And this is for it's a huge hashkafic topic and halachic topic, obviously. So I know I'm, we use the word, the word birth control hormones because the hormones that one of the ways that we use to control the period are with the birth control hormones. Some young ladies must use for health reasons, birth control in the beginning of their marriage. They can't risk a pregnancy right away for whatever reason. And that's why it's crucial if your daughter is in that category that is taken care of right away because we want to, get the body used to it to avoid unnecessary staining in the beginning of a marriage or there are other options. I want to say very, very, very important message. Rifki mentioned the name Taharenu. I want to elaborate why, okay? Uh, every uh, Different types of birth control have different reactions in the body. And the most noteworthy that we have to contend with as college teachers is, or as married women is staining extra needed time is what we want to avoid at all costs. And the, uh, the medical establishment is not trained to detect, to deal with staining that's a drop of blood on a dicker cloth. 
And therefore, the one who's giving the prescription has to be very well versed in what type of combination of hormones and how to use them to prevent any extra staining, especially in the beginning of a marriage. Taharenu is an organization based in Israel, but uh, their phone number, um, they have the phone numbers in different countries. I'll give you the phone number here in America. It's 855-482-4272, 855-482-4272. And you could call them and they will um, help you make a decision of what you can work with your doctor. If you don't have a doctor that deals with from people and knows this sugya very well, it can advise you how you can work with your own doctor in your own place of shlichus or wherever you live with a proper type of prescription. Uh, although doctors don't usually like when you show up, could, you, could I please have a prescription, but at least you have enough background information to know what to discuss. I also want to say that if you chose, uh, we're talking a lot about hormones here, and I'm not advocating for hormones, and there's plenty of people who have chupas nida and everything is just perfectly fine, and there might be even side benefits to it. The reason I'm bringing up this conversation is because if you take that route, you have to do it wisely, and if you do it early, you have to do it well. There's another um, PA in women's health, SC Slavin, uh, 718-635-1854, 718-635-1854. She also helps with that. Now, if you want to set a wedding date, if you can call the college teacher that your daughter's planning to learn with, she definitely is trained to help you. And if, if in the meantime, you haven't yet found the college teacher or you don't quite know and you have to set a wedding date, so one of our senior college teachers who actually manages the online calendar app, a My Mikva calendar app, she actually helps set wedding dates. Her phone number, her name is Chaya Klein, and her phone number is 917-846-7923, 917-846-7923. Uh, all the phone numbers will be added in the show notes uh, that goes along with this podcast um, and it will be added later. Um, I think Rifti, we spoke, uh, if you want to add something about Chavasnida, again, I think we spoke enough. Whatever choice you make, the mother is there to support her daughter. That means you make this joint decision. When, if let's say you decide to go the hormonal route and there's side effects and something goes wrong, your daughter needs your support. Not, I told you so. Remember we said, you know, or the opposite, if you both decide to go the natural route and let Hashem decide if it's chupasnida or not, um, I suggest that you have plan A, if it's chupasnida, plan B, if it's chupasnida. Some girls end up getting their period after they tabled, on the day of the wedding, after the chupa, when they get home. You don't want any anxiety or any discombobulation. You work out the sleeping arrangements with whoever needs to be worked out and have a kavadik away. And then that your daughter is relaxed. Either this will happen or that will happen. And let the Avisher make that decision. So I think we actually... Um, even if even if you're on the hormones, I think it's very important to note that there's no guarantee. So it's not that you're guaranteed to not have a chupas nida if you take hormones. It's really, really all in Hashem's hand. Rifki? And I also want to say that you said like you both make that decision. You're probably referring to mother and daughter, right? Yes. yes. However, it is possible that a mother and daughter respectfully will not be on the same page. And therefore, I think it's also important to say that she, she should respect her daughter's decision as well. And I think that that's going to allow for a relationship now and in the future as well. So if she needs support for herself, 
because she sees it differently than her daughter. That's where the college teacher could come in, the rough could come in, but I don't think the conflict should be between her and her daughter. So important, Rifki, so, so important. Okay, wow, okay. Now we're getting to the fun part of college classes. Okay, we talked about medical issues, hormonal issues, mazel tov. Um, we're not doing this in any particular order. We're just having a conversation. We're gonna jump back and forth a little bit. You may wanna to listen to this twice if the jumping back and forth was too much for you. But I wanna jump in a little more into college classes, okay? Um, we want, of course, like Mrs. Rifki Brickman mentioned, that we are excited about Taras Mishpacha. We want our daughters to be excited about Taras Mishpacha. And we want that any of our personal negativity or hard times that we had, we leave them in our bedroom, in the trash in our bedroom, with our mashpia, or anywhere else. But to our daughters, we have to present the most beautiful, exciting, um, exciting uh, um, opening to this beautiful mitzvah. You could add some humor to it if you have a cute story. If you have a something from your grandmother's mistress, Nefesh of Mikvah, or you had a special story that didn't happen yesterday, last Friday night, but it's more kind of something of the past that you want to share, how it meant so much to you, they were able to do this, that can be appropriate. But really, the negativity is not what your daughter needs to hear right now at all. Do you have something to add to that? Um, yeah, so I think that a big part of this is to really like remember that she doesn't have to carry your baggage for you. So the the experiences that you have have no no implications on her experiences. It's her journey. It's not about you. It's about you know helping her and supporting her, like both Rifki and Sarah said, into into a new stage. And I have had Kalas who come in with preconceived notions, and some of it is from their friends, but some of it is from their mothers. And you know, especially these a lot of times these Kalas are are Kalas who are talking to their mothers and are going to go back and talk to their mothers, and it it creates a struggle for them to create their own relationship with this mitzvah and there really isn't a need for them to not have their own relationship and not you know not connect intimately with the beauty of Tara Samishbacha. So it doesn't really benefit. It's kind of like telling, you know, a new mother who's pregnant all your scary birth stories. What it that's not going to be their experience. Hopefully they're going to have a beautiful experience. We want our kalas to love this mitzvah. We want our daughters to love this mitzvah. We want our granddaughters to love this mitzvah. So if we're sharing the love, if we're sharing the beauty, if we're sharing how we overcame, that's beautiful. But I also want to bring another point is that even if it's something beautiful, if it's something personal to you, that's a violation of your own personal marriage and your own personal tzniyas. So that also doesn't have to be shared. Um, your personal relationship, even if it's so, so beautiful, doesn't always make your daughter feel beautiful and connected. Yeah, very important. Yeah, Rifki? There's not much left to be said. Um, I just want to add that we have to remember that Tara Sochbacher is a hike. So while we definitely, hopefully have a beautiful experience, I think being married as many years as we are, you know, 20 years, 30 years, taking our daughter to the chuppah, we have to also remember that there was a starting point where to us, it was new. And I think that giving her the reassurance, like in a bigger picture, that this is a beautiful mitzvah, but it's also a mitzvah that you grow into. So that if she goes into the mikvah and she doesn't necessarily have those feelings that you may impart that you have either way, right? But that there is a process where she will develop into that. 
and hopefully it will be, you know, a beautiful experience for her. Uh, also making it just also practical for her. You know, sometimes it's nice for a daughter to be able to share eventually with her mother times that, um, you know, it wasn't so easy to go this month. And yet she um, understood that there's there, there, there's a practical part to this mitzvah. So I think it's, I don't think that we have to like steer our daughter in either way. I think we have to like give them the reassurance that like you're connected to something so halic, you're connected to something so MS and they will take their own path. But it's not like you're defining how they have to feel or, or you know, something along those lines. You could give them, you could impart, you could give them the same message, but without defining how they should be feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. You're not writing their narrative, so to speak. It's their mitzvah and they'll connect to it their way. So I, I, I just want to give you like two examples. I had a Kala who, who said, you know, she called me like, privately, like she was in the room of a uh, uh, changing room of the store to try something on. She goes, you know, I told my mother, it was a week before my wedding, I have to do a badika. It's before Shkia. My mother said, ah, you don't really have to, you could skip it. You know, if your daughter wants to be mahadr, and not mahadr, she wants to follow the halacha, and perhaps, and she wants to do all the badikas, and it's really the proper thing to do, help her do it the way that she feels is the best way for her, right? Or if you have a daughter who's in the opposite direction, for whatever reason, needs to do a little less, for whatever reason it is, it's her mitzvah, and we encourage her that she's doing the mitzvah in the most beautiful way that she can. I had just the other day, I was doing a mikvah tour for a group of um, people from overseas, non-religious students, and the first question that popped out of this young professional's mouth was when she walked in the door was, uh, you know, the mikvah attendants, she's she, she gonna do this, that, or the other. My mother had such a horrible experience. She doesn't want me to use mikvah because of it, but she got married in Israel. And is that really what you have to do? And I explained to her what we do at the mikvah here. And she goes, wow, I didn't even know. She goes, you know, I'm a bride. I'm getting married next year, July. And now I know I could do the mitzvah. It's like really beautiful. Like, why is my mother so negative about it? It bothered her that her mother transposed her own personal negative experience onto her daughter. It doesn't have to be that way. I'm just, I'm just, we've I just also, we've also come a long way, meaning like her mother's experience might have been what a lot of women of that generation experience and Baruch Hashem as, as a community and as college teachers and as mikvah attendants and as every single thing related to Tarasimshbacha, we've all improved. And I think that mothers also have to realize that we've evolved to really bring the best parts forward. We've evolved to really bring halacha in the most beautiful way, in a way that, you know, the recipients can really love this mitzvah. So their experience is not going to be the same experience that their daughters are going to be having because we have improved and things have changed. And, you know, communication has changed and access to halacha has changed and access to more standardized teaching has changed and education for the mikvah attendants and everyone involved has come such a long way. So it's not just that we don't have to transpose our experiences, but the experience itself is vastly different. It's such a much more beautiful, connective, personal experience because we've we've added 
and we've connected to, to all the sources of halacha. It's inherently a beautiful mitzvah. It's inherently a powerful mitzvah. It's inherently so focused on sensitivity and, and kindness to women, but we've reconnected to that as a community. And that's something that the mothers really should understand that it's really not the same experience. Uh, again, I, again, I, I, I hear where you're coming from and you've brought examples of negativity. And I want to emphasize again that I'm bringing examples of really positive experience, really, really positive. And yet there could be a difference in defining how someone should feel as opposed to saying that you are connected to to emes, to the source, to, to, you know, to brachas, because not everybody is, even if you had a beautiful experience, it doesn't mean it's a negative experience. If you don't feel all like, you know, the same exact, like, you know, everybody is entitled to feel what they feel and respect it. And I think that giving them the tools to allow them at any time of their life, right, is, is a gift as opposed to like, you need to, you know, it's not always negative or positive. It's just. Let them be. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so Rifki now, let's get a little more practical. What should I buy for my daughter if she's a Kala? What should I not buy? On the practical level, how can I be a good kind of supplement to her Kala classes on a practical level? So some of the things that really fall into the jurisdiction of a mother and daughter and what they're shopping for and what we can do to ease their pathway. So the first thing that comes to mind is the linen and sheets. And I will actually sometimes get calls from my kalas and they're in the store with their mothers and the mothers are not sure what to buy and the kalas are not sure what to buy. Um, so just for clarity's sake, just because this comes up more than once or twice and with very educated mothers and daughters, um, we're buying one set of linen for the beds that has zero white on it, not a pattern with white. And then we're buying one set of linen that is all white. Um, and it's really, it's, it's that simple. It's not complicated. Um, the other thing that we want to uh, make sure that our daughters are comfortable with is we're not sending our daughter into, you know, the pharmacy or the kosher supermarket to buy her first set of Badiga cloths. So some Kala teachers will actually, um, I know I do this, I give my Kalas their first package of Badiga cloths. Um, but if you're by, if you're, if your daughter's Kala teacher is not giving it to her, buy her her first package, show her where in the house she can find it if she runs out after she gets married so she doesn't have to ask you. Show her where in the linen closet there's an extra sheet, you know, an extra, you know, package of white sheets that she could put on her bed if she'd like to do that. Um, just hold her hand through that process. Another thing that comes up sometimes is uh, mattress shopping or bed shopping. A chasanakala should not really be doing this uh, before they're married. Obviously, if he wants input into those decisions, they can go at separate times. You know, maybe he wants to feel the bed. He wants it firm. He wants it soft. He wants to make sure that it's comfortable and he likes it. But because that's of a more intimate nature, it's not shopping for, you know, a dining room set. Um, it's better if they do that separately, just to, you know, uphold the standards of Tzniyas that are, that should be present throughout this time of the engagement time. Another thing that would be very appropriate for a mother to do, which isn't really shopping, but it's booking. So when she gets closer to her first mikvah, talk to her, whether she's spoken to her kala, a kala teacher about, you know, when she's planning on going to mikvah, um, 
walk her through how to set up that appointment in wherever you're located because different mikvahs have different setups and her college teacher might be teaching her a specific setup, but maybe where she's going to be living or where you're living is a little bit different, the appointment setup. Book that appointment for her. Ask her, follow her lead. Do you want me to come with you? Do would you like me to show up? I could be in the waiting room. I could be waiting in the car outside. I can come into the mikvah room itself. Whatever works for you. Remember, again, we're going back to this concept of you're in a supportive role during this time of your daughter's life. So follow her lead. She might really love um, having you at the mikvah. She might really appreciate if you stayed outside or you drove her there, dropped her off and pick her up. And she might even want you in the mikvah room itself. Um, and that really depends person to person. Yeah, on a practical end, I just want to say, um, you could buy her a few types of vidika cloths to see which one she likes better because different vidika cloths have different textures and different thicknesses. Um, you might want to so glad. I'm so glad you brought that up, the different vidika cloths, because I wanted to mention that the three main types that are out there today are all different. And I want you to know what they are. There's the pink one. The pink one is very, very thick. And actually um, as a boydakas, now I see that the pink ones, I used to think the pink ones were the best, but for a young Kala who's not used to putting everything, anything in her vagina, the pink ones are very, very thick and they cause a lot of irritations. The blue package is very rough. Don't buy that. I have to say that my favorite um, is the mikvah.org one or the other white one, the ones that come, I think it's called Bade Shoshana, um, that they come in the white package. They're thin and they're soft. So those are the ones that I would get. It's interesting because different colleagues appreciate different ones. Some people like the jersey, the pink, because it's jersey, it's a little it's soft. Softer. And some of them use tampons. So having the, the extra thickness isn't a problem. And that's why I suggest buy a few different kinds, see which ones work for her. I also want to mention about the white one. Okay, yes, Rifki. You, you're not saying about tampons uh, uh, for, for Abadika? No, 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 no. No. Some, some girls already use tampons and inserting something vaginally they're comfortable with. So the thickness of the Abadika cloth is not a major issue. If they do have sensitive skin, they have to see which one is better for their skin. I, I One minute, Rifki, I just want to, is it about the Abadika cloths? About the tampons. So finish and then I'll go back to the tampons. I just want to go back to the linen. We really, you said a full white set of linen. They don't need a full white set of linen. They can have a white sheet for their mattress. And as a mother, I would suggest that they may have a huge, maybe the size beds they usually have in their house are bigger. If they go traveling, they probably can use a small, like 39 inch um, white sheet that they could take off for traveling. Yes, there is a hitter, according to some, again, uh, we, we may have learned one way, and now with updated information, uh, there are some great, huge skim that say nowadays that the girls wear, wearing, the lady, excuse me, the young woman or the older woman is wearing white-fitted underwear. She definitely needs a white sheet on her mattress, but all the extra whites, like the white pajama pads, like on her top sheet, is not necessary. But there are others that say, Rabbanim, other Paiskim, that yes, it's a hider. It's not halachically necessary, but it is a beautiful hider. And especially if it was her mother's minig, it's something that's transmitted mother to daughter. Again, a lot of them do not like uh, a whole linen set because it's very uh, public, but they could have a white top sheet that they can take for traveling or just insert under their colored uh, duvet cover or whatever it is. And then it's more, it's more private. So Perhaps she may want to have a whole white linen set from beginning to end, or she may just want to have the white sheets and colored, you know, and colored uh, duvets with just this white sheet 
in between if that's the minute that you're transmitting to your daughter about the whites. Now, if you learned that the whites is like halacha all through and through, it's a beautiful thing, continue with that Messiah, with that beautiful thing. But if your daughter learns differently or she wants to practice differently, again, within halacha, she doesn't want to have the white nightgown or the white top sheet, they're definitely within halacha, that's um, definitely acceptable. Uh, so I just wanted to say about the linen set. Now back to the tampons. Yes, Rifki. So I wanted to um, mention a very big distinction on how I talk to Kalas versus how I talk to sixth graders when I start with puberty talks. So I know a lot of families have, and a lot of Rabbanim have strong feelings about tampon usage, but from all the Rabbanim that I spoke to, um, especially as Kalas get closer to their wedding, using a tampon during one of those periods might, when your body is already well lubricated and more open and, you know, you don't have the pressure of getting the badika done right, it might be a good time for her to get used to her body and putting something in her vagina. So during the, a period of some time, during, even if she's not a tampon user, gets, encourage her to get small tampons that she could insert during that period so that she gets used to putting stuff in there. She knows her anatomy. She knows how it works. She knows that she could get a badika cloth in there. Um, and that makes the process of getting, doing her hefsiktara and doing her shivnikian before her wedding a little bit less stressful, especially for non-tampon users. Wow. Good point, Ripti. I want to add another two little elements. And one is sometimes as she learns how to do her hefsitara, sometimes um, the Kala will want to practice privately. She doesn't want her mother involved. Her Kala teacher will be her coach and that'll be fine. Some, again, it depends on your relationship with your daughter. Some the opposite. They say, hey, you know, Ma, I'm going to tell you about hefsitara and you may want to be there for her outside the bathroom or on the phone. If you want to give her extra tips and be there for her just for her reassurance. That's also a possibility, but you really have to take her lead. Some want the mother's involvement and some absolutely do not. But the college teacher, her role really is to be on top of it. Um, I do want to say that we are very careful. We are very, uh, not, not more careful, more, more methodical, methodical on how we make sure that uh, a badika is done properly. This is taught very differently than years ago that try your best and minimally something goes in, it's fine. Halakhically, uh, there's a proper way to do a badika. We're not going to talk about it now in public, um, uh, just make sure your daughter's, you know, if your daughter's following her college teacher's instructions, please don't be dismissive of it. Uh, there's certain lubricants that your daughter may bring you a list, you know, you can buy those lubricants for her to help her with practice, not with a real badika. Sometimes it does happen that the collar cannot insert not a tampon, not her finger, not a badika cloth in her vagina, and that may require actually um, some a professional to actually take a look and see the anatomy if there's something in the way of a proper badika, if there's something unusual with the hymen that needs to be taken care of. Sometimes it needs to be taken care of before the marriage, sometimes not. Um, if your daughter tells you about this, please, please just be calm. Okay, we'll figure it out. She already has her own anxiety over this and your added anxiety just makes things much harder to deal with. So there are, again, her college teacher will have good contacts where she'd go for a visit and it will be taken care of. Sometimes it has to be taken care of medically. It takes a time. We don't leave it to last minute. But the most important message I want to give you is be her support, be patient, kind, soft, gentle, and reassuring. Rifki will add a little bit to that soon. Sometimes it's not an anatomy issue, but just inserting Badika the right way, she maybe has anxiety and she wants the reassurance. So we do sometimes encourage 
uh, the young Kala or the older Kala or the medium Kala, but the young lady to actually visit with a trained Bodekis. We were very lucky here in Crown Heights. We have Rifki Bayarski, we have Fanny Ackerman, those two for sure work with Kalas in a very smoothistic way to make them comfortable with their anatomy and reassure them that they're actually doing a Badika properly. Now, some mothers actually would like their daughter to meet a Bodekas before the wedding, regardless, just to get to know who she is. So that in case she needs her after the wedding, let's say during Shever breakfast or something during that time, something or you know, her first experience of meeting yet another um, person who may be involved with a very private space, even in an educational form, it just sometimes makes it easier. She already met that person before. It's less anxiety provoking, but that's a choice. It's not a must. We're just giving you options that are out there. Rifki, you wanted to add something. Yeah, I wanted to add um, two points. The first one, I'm going to go actually in backwards order. So the first one, we just spoke about the hymenal issues. If there's a potential hymenal issue to be calm, which is great advice, not, you know, kind of like poker face. But I also want to add that as calm as you're going to be, please take it seriously. Don't push it off. It's not after the florist and it's not after the shopping and it's not after, this is the first thing because sometimes if a procedure has to be done, we want it done as early before the wedding as possible so that there's a recovery period potentially and you have time to get to the wedding um, and we're not doing it, you know, right before the wedding. The yes. I just want to add to that, a rov needs to be involved. If you're having yes. time a rov needs to give exact explicit instructions uh, uh, of if everything should be removed or not, and if the chassan has to know or not, and also if it's too close to the wedding and she needs to get to the mikvah and there's got to be badikas done and and the procedure it requires a certain amount of healing, a rub experience in the field should be called right away so you can plan everything accordingly. Sometimes a rubber wants her to first counter when it came on table and do that later and sometimes the reverse, it depends. And that's why I really want to re-emphasize what Rifki said, we teach how to do a badika right away, very early in the course, because we look out for these unique situations. They're not, they're not very common, but if it's gonna be your daughter, you want that she should be, for you, it's like 100%, one out of one. Doesn't matter what happened with the rest of the world. And, and um, sometimes it is genetic and you could say, yeah, it was fine with me. I didn't have a procedure. It killed. This happened. That happened. I got through it. Why do I have to put my daughter through this? Well, Baruch Hashem, it's a couple decades later, and we have an advancement in many shapes and forms, and we have medical professionals who deal with this in a very halakhically sensitive and gentle way. That's the utmost positive experience for your daughter. That's if you're here in Crown Heights. If you're out of town, the, a provider that's chosen, listen to the college teacher. She'll choose somebody we don't want a Kala's first experience with that area of her body to be a traumatic one. So this got to be done well. Thank right. you. So the other thing I want to reiterate, which we've kind of said, but I want to say this really clearly. And I actually, I spoke to my sister who married um, two children off now, Baruch Hashem. And I wanted to know a mother's perspective, not just a Kala teacher, not from where I'm standing, just, um, and cause she's a very respectful parent. And I wanted to hear what she said. And she told me that before, um, she helped her children through the process to the wedding. She actually sat them down and she had a meeting and she says, where do you want me? Where do you want me in this process? Um, and after, and she told them, you know, I can ask you after, you know, a Kala class or a class, I can ask you, you know, 
Is there anything you want to share? And you and that's a really great way for them to have, you know, share a concern that they have or say, no, I have nothing to share and really respect their own privacy. So that way they have a space that we're, they're connecting, but it's a really respectful space where they can either choose to share or not choose to share. And I think that both Sarah and Rifki also keep coming back to this point. And I think this is really the most valuable um, thing that we can do. Um, and I know I see standing from a college teacher perspective, I don't have children who are getting, you know, married yet. Um, but from where I'm standing as a college teacher, I see people's dynamics with their parents and their mothers especially play out in, in college classes. And so when we have this opportunity to get the support without, you know, with all the positivity that we can get, I think that's a really beautiful space. Um, talking about, talking, you want to go ahead? I just want to say we're going to devote a special podcast, a special class on the Hlal, how to be a parent of an adult child through dating, through marriage and post-marriage also, how to be there for your children and, and at the same time give your child their space and their individuality. So here's one very important time during the college classes, but there, you know, there's more to so many, and we're going to get to that. Right. I do just say, um, I, I just want to add, I, I don't know how much more time we have. I, I, I want to just um, add a few more little um, pointers. And that is about hair covering, you know, for the wedding, because you're planning her hair for the wedding, it's a good idea if you discuss this well in advance with your Rav, sometimes the Chassan's family has certain menhagim, sometimes your, your family has certain menhagim, but the Kala has to feel beautiful and feel happy in her wedding day. You want to navigate this all in advance to make sure it's done the best way possible. Another thing I would like to say as a Kala teacher is I really did appreciate the mothers who called me and alerted me to some learning styles of their daughter that their daughter may not be able to articulate. When we meet a Kala, we do ask those questions. Do you have a specific learning style? Do you, you know, we have kind of a welcoming kind of questions that we ask because we can individualize the way we teach a Kala. Not every Kala can articulate that. So on one hand, God forbid, you do not want to invade your child's privacy. There should be no breach of privacy. We're not divulging private information unless a rough told you so. But let's say you you know your daughter um, doesn't absorb, she has a learning, a type of learning style. She can't write notes and she can't remember too many things at once. Sometimes she may not be able to articulate that. So the mother can say, you know, can give you that heads up as a college teacher. Uh, sometimes a girl suffers from a lot of anxiety and she cannot articulate that to the college teacher. And you want to alert the um, teacher to kind of, so again, there's a healthy balance of giving the caller her independent and private space. On the other hand, as a mother, we are mothers and sometimes speaking to the college teacher in advance um, might be helpful for the child. It's something maybe you want to discuss with your mashpia, like what, how much to get involved, how much not to get involved, but not that you're taking over your daughter, but you're kind of being the interferer, kind of you're helping her along so she'd come out well. Um, go ahead. Rifki, go ahead. Kala classes and everything else that's happening when your daughter's a Kala, there's so much happening in a short period of time. So if I could also just stress that the emphasis that you put on the importance of giving it the right amount of time that it takes to really go to the Kala classes and to put that as a top priority, right? Because that's, that's the only thing that the Kala actually has to be fully present for. 
then if you could encourage your daughter to really make sure that that happens. And if you think about days of old, you know, maybe we took only three classes or four classes. I don't know exactly what it was, but today, every single class that your daughter is taking is so rich with with tools that she's going to need halakhically, practically in every single area. So just really encourage her to do them um, as soon as possible and properly. So that actually leads me to the discussion. Maybe Rifki, can you give us mother some pointers how to choose a college teacher? There are so many college teachers out there, Baruch Hashem. How do I begin to know? Like, where do I start from? What do so I, do? I think this is probably the most, in my opinion, the most important decision. Flowers, styles, changes, and, you know, all the music, all those things are trendy, right? But the first thing that really has to get done, and really because even though Baruch Hashem, we have so many college teachers, um, we want you to be able to access the college teacher that's really the best fit for your daughter. Um, and so I really encourage you to interview or to encourage your daughter um, to interview their college teacher and not just assume that whoever their friends use is the perfect person for them. So first, um, the first thing you're going to ask them is, who's the Rav that they're using? Make sure that they have a Rav that they're using. Make sure that they're under a certifying body. And here in mikvah.org, every single teacher that's certified does have a Rav. So this is not, this is not a pertinent question if it's a mikvah.org college teacher, but if it's not, that's very, very important. Ask them, how long are they teaching kalas? What are they, you know, who's, are they certified under mikvah.org? What style classes do they give? Are they giving out worksheets? Some college teachers will give out worksheets. Some college teachers are more visual. They'll show examples. And, you know, they're just different styles of teaching. Um, are they available? Like, how do we get in touch? Like, if I have issues after I'm married, is there a way for me to get in touch? Do I call you? Do I WhatsApp you? And different college teachers will do different things. And it's really you want to make sure your daughter has an access point to really continue to this relationship with their college teacher. Do they give you a workbook? Are there handouts? Are there recommended readings? How are we meeting? Where are we meeting? Is it, you know, in a space that is comfortable to you? How long is each class? If some college teachers will have each class an hour and a half, two hours, some will have a little bit longer. Does that work for what your needs are? How many classes are there? And I will say on average, it's around eight classes that are around two hours each. Um, what's covered in the classes in addition to halacha. So there's a pretty standardized um, format that everyone covers. Everyone's covering all the halacha that you need to know, everyone who's been trained under mikvah.org. But some people will add different portions and some people will focus more on different portions of hashkafa, um, different portions of tools that they want to give you, etc. Um, and then you, it, you shouldn't be shy to ask, you know, how much are the classes? And there's a wide range and you'll find what fits your needs. But most importantly is as you and your daughter are having this conversation, listen to your gut. Are you connecting with this teacher? Are you connecting to the style? Do you feel like this is something that's working, that will work for you? And once you start teaching, I also want to encourage you that if it doesn't work for you and you feel like this is not the right fit, you can reevaluate, you can re, you know, shift gears and say, thank you so much. I really appreciated learning from you. You had so much to offer, but I think maybe for me, it's better if I just shift gears and continue learning with someone else. And I'll tell you as a college teacher, I don't think that I would be insulted if somebody said that because ultimately it's not about me. It's about the Kala and I want the Kala to have the best experience possible. So don't just power through Kala classes. This is the most important thing that you're doing in preparation for your wedding. So make sure that your Kala teacher is going, your daughter's Kala teacher is going to be something that you're comfortable with and that your daughter has a, a person, a point person to keep coming back to as they go through um, 
their married life. Mikvah.org has trained several Kala teachers. Every Kala teacher has their style, just like every child has their personality and it has to blend and it has to mix. So we thought, what would be the best way of you really being able to see the style of the Kala teachers? Mikvah.org has recordings of Kala teachers and you can listen to them and really get a feel if you think that this would be a good match for your daughter or the Kala herself, encourage her to listen and see if that would be her style. Not necessarily is who's popular or her friends are going to, is it going to blend for her? So the reason we did it is really to give you options that work for you. I will say two things that stand out to me in addition to this which is something that you're going to have to make a decision with your daughter about is two things. First of all, um, earlier weddings. I really, as a Baidekas, as a college teacher, I see a lot of issues arise from very, very late nights, continued late nights. So you're coming home from your wedding at one o'clock in the morning. You're coming back from Sheva Brachas at 12 o'clock. Your chasen and kala are exhausted. And if we cho choose as a community that we're going to end these events 10, 11 o'clock at night and the Hassan Kala can go home and rest and be together in whatever way they need to be together, I think that that also is a very, very good decision that we can empower our children to make it, you know, your wedding is not better if it ends at one o'clock at night and your experience is not better if you're going for pictures after the wedding. But really the wedding is about the two of you coming together and being together and not having any issues. And I think that a lot of times issues that arise to me as a Baidekas afterwards are related to these really, really late nights. Another thing that's, um, so another thing that's set up with parents and the Kala together is where the couple is going on wedding on their wedding night. And there's a lot of logistics that go into this. Is their apartment ready? Are they having an out-of-town wedding? Um, is there a place for them to go that isn't their apartment? You know, whatever the decision is, but whatever decision you're making about where your daughter's going on her wedding night, make sure it's private and set up with all their needs. Make sure that she has a way to prepare or bring everything she's going to need for her wedding night, which her Kala teacher will go through with her. Make sure she has a little suitcase in the Kala room that she could bring up or something that's put into her apartment or into the hotel room before. Make sure that they have food in the Yichud room. I cannot tell you how horrible a Kala feels breaking her fast on cookies or, you know, not having some water or food, real food there, because a lot of times the Kalas are not eating at the Su'udah at, at their own wedding. So make sure that there's food in the Yechud room. Make sure that there's food when they're going to go to wherever they're going on their wedding night. So in the fridge in the hotel or at their apartment. Make sure the bed is set up nicely. So if it's in their apartment, I know that you made sure all the deliveries went there, but make sure the actual bed is fully set up for them. Make sure that the AC and the heat is working so that they come to a comfortable place where so that they're set up to have a calm experience on their wedding night. Uh, I just want to, um, again, this is, uh, we can talk forever, Rifki. I just want to touch upon a few little points and we should elaborate or keep them short. You know, this is a conversation. Uh, one is uh, uh, our sons and daughters get engaged and then they start class and call classes, not the minute they get engaged, usually a little later. We, we do talk about proper behavior during engagements or in call classes, but that but the, the proper behavior starts right away. Um, many children do not want to hear this from their parents. So we encourage our, or some do, some don't, but uh, they could speak to their mashpia, they could speak to their chos and teacher, 
but this is something that I just want to make you aware that somehow, somehow the proper information needs to be um, imparted to our children, whatever age they are, as the proper halachas and hagen during the engagement period, and we should be supportive of the choices that they make in upholding uh, the standards up until today. You can find them in eternal joy just as a starter. You could read them together or give it to your child to read. Um, I also want to mention about sometimes uh, they got engaged and either, and the child can get really, really anxious after. Don't be dismissive of it. Don't say, oh, college jitters, it's fine. You know your child well. You probably could trust a little bit, you know, what's really going on. Uh, just from our perspective as college teachers, it's a good idea for them to speak it through with somebody, a mentor, a coach, a therapist, somebody, an outsider that they trust because sometimes they're afraid to tell their parents after their parents put so much effort and money into preparing for the wedding and they're afraid to say the truth. Um, sometimes they just have to learn how to deal with anxious feelings. So it's a good kind of practice session like when you're anxious in life, you get tools how to deal with them. Uh, so so that sometimes it's just anxiety, which is a big thing nowadays, but sometimes it is a red flag and there is something going on on her end, on the husband's end, on their relationship that should be dealt with professionally. So just don't be so dis don't just don't be dismissive. Oh, she's just a nervous caller. Oh, whatever. Uh, it's something that we should be aware of and tune into. And another thing I think is a good idea is you know, Mr. Shem, your daughter will get pregnant, will be blessed with a pregnancy at the right time. And of course, uh, mothers support their daughters, especially the first pregnancy. You know, a lot of changes going on. I think I think it's healthy to discuss while they're engaged. Um, what is the, like what they're expecting. We have girls that say, think they have to keep it a big secret from their parent, mothers or sometime, you know, and they feel a little uncomfortable. Um, their Rebbe's Hira uh, about keeping it private is not keeping it away from the parents who could be the most helpful people and supportive. Uh, that's something that we also want to mention, something we may discuss before. Another thing I do want to mention is um, Shunra Shun is difficult. Sometimes it starts even before. I'll let the other uh, presenters add in after. I just want to touch on these little things. And uh, just uh, and that is sometimes there are relationship skills that are lacking that could be implemented either before the wedding or for sure after the wedding. As parents, we could give our children the gift on one hand of privacy and at the same time support. We could tell them, look, you know, if you ever need any support, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to provide financial support. I don't, you don't have to know the details. I'm here for you. Sometimes people do need therapy or they need coaching and show bias or whatever it is. Reach out. We're not going to ask questions. If you need that help, we want to support you that your journey in the beginning of life, excuse me, the beginning of the marriage life, if it's pregnancy, if it's show bias, you could throw something else in the mix. Um, let me know we're here for you. So these are just some ideas. Again, every parent has their own style. You have your, you have a husband, you have a mashpia. You could work, these are just different ideas that you can just have a conversation uh, with your support system and see how you can navigate that with your children. Um, Rifki Brickman, did, was it you wanted to add something? Okay, so Rifki Biarski. Okay, so I wanted to add um, about having your kids coming back to your house. So this is a lot of times uh, the messages that I get is that people are nervous about going to their parents' house. It's not really set up for them as a married couple, especially if they're the first kid getting married. So make sure that your married couple 
um, your young married couple is being given a private space and area. They have a lock on their bedroom door. There's no svarim in the bedroom door. Um, it's a bonus. I, I know a lot of us don't have the ability, but if the choice is to give them a room with a bathroom versus a room without a bathroom, a room with a private bathroom is very nice. A room that's a little bit further away from their parents' room is also very nice. Um, and don't expect them, don't have expectations of a young married couple that, you know, you didn't spend time with us, you came here Shabbos, you didn't sit with us, and all these expectations that really like crowd them and make them feel very, very overwhelmed and then really not, um, not comfortable. And asking a young married couple, this is definitely number one on the list of things that like people are unsure is that it's come, and this is coming from the best place possible is asking a young married couple, are you okay? Are you okay? Like they're, they're, they, if you've already established an environment where they can come to you, they will come to you. Remember their relationship does not mimic your relationship. The markers that are really great of a healthy, happy relationship for you might not be mimicked in their relationship and that's okay. The other thing, sorry, you spoke very nicely about the pregnancy, but I also wanna bring up a point about infertility. Sometimes couples don't get pregnant right away don't overstep. Um, you don't have to ask them, you know, um, I'm just checking in or, you know, they, they have enough, enough pressure internally. They feel the pressure, they feel the intensity. And if they're coming to you from, for help financially for treatments or financially for everything that they need, it's not really your job to follow up on like, where was the money spent? How was it done? How was treatment? They're going to come and share with you if they want to share with you. If you see that they're struggling with their health, don't assume a pregnancy, just jump in and help them and, you know, give them as much support without the expectations that they have to, um, you know, go past the boundaries that they're setting for themselves, because ultimately the parent's job is really to be in that supportive role. Okay. And I think Sarah, you have what to add on that. I think um, we'll have another podcast on parents' roles of adult children. So I think we'll pause on that discussion. It's definitely a huge discussion and probably the discussion is not a one-time discussion. Every parent-child relationship is different. Every husband-wife relationship is different. Everybody has their own journey. Uh, we could be supportive and give space at the same time. I just want to end off with a bracha for every mother and father. Um, that this should be It's interesting that the Rebbe by Yechidus Tachasen Kaleh didn't only give a bracha that the wedding should be but that the hachanas to the wedding, the preparations to the wedding should also be b'shatavimitzvachas. I want to pass on that to you, that the preparations for the wedding should be beautiful and successful, easygoing, and uh, get, you know, find the right things for the right prices. And in the hachanas, we should feel how we're preparing really for this monumental day of the reunion of the two half and shamas. And I do want to end off a verse from the Rebbe, obviously. Uh, I want to share that the Rebbe said that when Mashiach will come, it won't only be the uh, cosmic kind of Yisrael wedding, uh, the wedding of Kutcherucha Knesset Yisrael, the Asian, the Jewish people, but it'll be like our own personal wedding. That everybody will have that personal marriage to Baruch himself. So we're all getting married. <laughs> I'll make very, very quickly. Um, did any of you want to have some closing remarks or we'll just say, I got to talk. Since this is about a team effort in making the experience just so perfect for your daughter, uh, if there's any feedback that we could hear from your mothers, uh, how we could, you know, do another podcast or what you want to hear, that would be very beneficial for us to be able to guide ourselves, you know, what really um, you're looking for that we have, that we may have not touched upon. So looking forward to hearing from you, hearing feedback. Ultimately, 
um, your child is going to the chuppah, but we're doing it together and we're holding each other's hands. Wow, that was amazing. Thank you so much, Mrs. Morozov, Mrs. Bayarsky, and Mrs. Brickman. For those seeking more information about Chuppas Nida, you can check out episode number 43 of the mikvah.org podcast titled Planning for the Change of Plans, a Halachic and Ashkafic Overview of Chuppas Nida. Listen at mikvah.org forward slash audio or find the link in the show notes below. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to sponsor next week's featuring an interview with Mrs. Esther Pekarski, please reach out to podcast at mikvah.org. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day.